Welcome to episode 55 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Renix, joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Pham. We've got a fun show today. Coming at you guys a day earlier on the YouTube this week, probably a day earlier on, on iTunes and Spotify once that gets put out as well, for obvious reasons. It's Thanksgiving. We're not gonna we're not gonna make Johnny work on Thursday like I kind of wanted to, but I decided we're not gonna make him do that. We don't we don't want to pay him give him that holiday pay time and a half. So I think we had to had to move it up a little bit. I would have just not I would just not period. It's like it's a late pod. You'll get it the following week. Uh, PTO denied. Don't care. Still going. I that think go I would prefer to edit the pod than watch the Bears Lions. Just you know what? Disclosure. You, you know don't. What? You don't mean that. I. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Insert the the gif of the girl like <laughs> trying to make up her mind. That that that's basically me, right there. Oh. So we we've got a fun show today. As Dalton said, probably editing the show and just the show in general will be more entertaining than than the uh, Bears and Lions game. We've got our Thanksgiving food scale making its return. If you guys remember from last year, if you listened, or if you're a new listener, you may not remember or may not know. Last year, we did a ranking. This is a podcast ranking, not an individual um, ranking. So this is an agreed upon list. One to five, we've got mashed potatoes and gravy one. And then we just put meat of choice too. You can say your meat if you want. Green bean casserole three, stuffing four, cranberry sauce five. And we're going to rank the three games on Thanksgiving using that scale by fantasy goodness. So if you love the game's fantasy outlook, it's a mashed potatoes and gravy. You hate it. It's a cranberry sauce and so on. And then after that, we've got some guys we're thankful for. I don't know, Johnny, if you have one you wanted to talk about an adult that I each, each brought one. And then we've got a little dynasty talk, but I guess Dalton, you mentioned Bears Lions. We might as well get that one over with right now. Bears Lions, first game of the day. What time is it? I couldn't even tell you because I have zero intention of watching it. Partially because I think KU basketball plays during during half of that game, so I'll be preoccupied, thankfully. But but yeah, probably a new kickoff, eleven thirty somewhere in there. This one's got to be a cranberry sauce on the old scale, right? Like I'm giving it a cranberry sauce. Oh, it's Cranberry by a mile. I mean, there's two players that you're probably starting in. It's Montgomery and Swift. And then Mooney is maybe somebody you're looking to flex. And Hawkinson has had a pretty rough couple of last three weeks. I, it's just, it's disgusting. We might not see Justin Fields. We might not see Jared Goff. I, I think we're for sure, not for sure, but it's almost a guarantee we're not going to see Fields, it sounds like. So we get Andy Dalton, and honestly, I couldn't tell the difference between Tim Boyle and Jared Goff when Tim Boyle was out there last week. So I don't I know don't... about that. <laughs> Tim Boyle was pretty bad. Uh, but it's, it's just going to be a bad game. I hope the Lions win just so we can officially get Matt Nagy fired. That's my <laughs> that's the goal. Of that, this game. That, that is one of the more interesting subplots is that it, uh, there's the reports out there now that he's a lame duck, he's coaching that game, and he's done, which if they were going to fire him, that does make a little bit of sense to me because you, you fire a guy, you have three days of prep basically uh, on a short week. So just let him coach the week and fire him if, if you're going to fire him, but we'll, we'll see if they actually do. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you cranberry sauce and, and here's why. So like cranberry sauce for me, it's like, I'm not getting it the first time through. 
probably not. Like if I go back again for a little bit of seconds, I still don't know if I'm getting it. But if I if I'm still a little hungry, like go back up there, kind kind of see what's left. If it's over there in the corner and there's just a little bit left, I might put a little bit on my plate. If this game is close in the fourth quarter, I might change the channel for a minute to see what's happening. And I think that's about it. You you mentioned it. You're hoping for for a big play or a touchdown from Swift. You're hoping for volume for Hawkinson. And I guess on the Bears, you're starting Montgomery, but he hasn't had more than like 60 total yards his last couple of weeks. Um, it's not been pretty since he's been back. And then Mooney had a big week last week, but Allen Robinson is back, so that even complicates that uh, that duo as well. I'm not sure Robinson was a don- did not practice today, so he he might be out another game. Mm. Well, but- if if he were out, that would make the picture at least a little clearer for Mooney. If he's there, I don't know if you can use either one of them. I mean, maybe if you just want to have a guy to watch in that game on Thanksgiving and you have him on your roster, go for it. But it, it's not like a must. Here's what I'm going to do. Found out today my gym closes at 12 o'clock on Saturday or on Thursday. This game is at 1130. Your gym's, your gym's open at all on it Thursday? It is, yeah, for five hours. Very convenient. So I'm going to go get a little Thanksgiving workout in to, to fight some of these calories I'm going to eat later. <laughs> While I'm working out, I'm going to drop some ill-advised underdog bets on this game. A couple probably unders on whatever I bet. And then I'll come home around 1245 or so. I'll flip the game on and I'll see if my bets are hitting to make it a little interesting. But that's that's the only way I'm getting any interest in this game. Johnny, are we going? Uh, I'm not even going to go into the fact that Dalton's going to work out on Thanksgiving. Oh, I are, will because absolutely nobody wants to be at the gym. Like you are, you have to think about the workers that have to yes. let you in just so you can work out. No, you can take one and, day and, off, and, sir. And what, and what are the odds that Dalton forgets to wipe down at least one piece of equipment he uses? It was co- I wasn't gonna go, but I saw the sign today. The sign was like seven a.m. twelve, and I was like, "How about you, know, you just not go?" I want them to feel like they were needed, you know. So I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna be like, "Thank you for your." Well, I, I got news for you. They they don't want you there, uh, Johnny. I, I'm assuming you're going cranberry sauce, right? Yeah, cranberry sauce easily. I think we've talked about this game uh, as much as we need to here. This next one, from a fantasy perspective at least, is a lot more interesting to me. Raiders at Cowboys. Dalton, I'll, I'll let you start us off. What are, you, what are you giving this on a scale of mashed potatoes and gravy to cranberry sauce? So this one for me is going to be a stuffing unless CD Lamb plays. Really? I'm upping it to agree. Yes, because. Man, you're in for a long day if this is your stuffing then. Uh, you're telling me. Um, <laughs> the, because the Raiders, the last two, from, from Kansas City to the Cincinnati game, they have been just absolutely putrid to watch. There've been There's been no bright spots on that team. Um, and the Cowboys are without their two most exciting playmakers. Then there's this. Well, we don't know for a fact that Lamb is yeah, playing. and that's why it gets upgraded if we get Lamb. Then I know Zeke was a full participant today, but we don't know what kind of Zeke workload we're going to get. It's going to be him and Pollard splitting it. So from a fantasy perspective, you're probably a little on the edge about being a Zeke owner, and as a Pollard owner, you're probably going to get burned because you're going to bench Pollard and maybe he gets an extra workload. And so really, you're watching the game for Dak and Darren Waller and Dalton Schultz. I mean, it just it's just not not. Not the greatest for me. Plus, 
and we talked about this a little offline. I'm just sick and tired of the Cowboys getting Thursdays for Thanksgiving oh, every year. Trust me, I've actually been thinking about this since you brought up it since since the since the conversation got brought up. I'll, I'll get to that after we finish uh, <laughs> after we finish these 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 three games here. Johnny, what what are you giving this? Uh, I'm gonna give it a meat of choice just because um I have because I have Mac, Michael Gallup. Just kind of want to see how <laughs> yep. how he operates and just kind of. See what what the production looks like if CD's playing, and also if CD's not playing, what his uh, what his output will be. So I, I I'm actually looking forward to the game just because just because of the wide receiver aspect there. So I'm giving this a mashed potatoes and gravy. This is Ooh, this is wow wow. But again, from a fantasy perspective, real life perspective, I think the Cowboys could easily win this game. Something like you know, thirty one to to seventeen. Like it could be a non a non starter. It's the biggest real. line on the slate. But here's the thing. From pure fantasy, you have three or more fantasy options on both sides on both sides here, which you don't have in the first game, obviously. And then in the second game, because the Saints have one guy if Kamara plays. And, you know, one guy if Kamara plays and one guy if he doesn't play and Ingram. Like, it's probably an either or with, with those two, most likely. Um, in this game, you have Lamb if he plays. If he doesn't, you have Gallup. You have Wilson if he does play. I think he's been limited with the shoulder. Um, so you've got two receivers. You've got, obviously, the tight end in, in Dallas. You've got both running backs. You've got Dak. On the Raiders' side, though, I'm actually interested, like pretty interested to see how, how they play on offense. So you've got Waller. You've got Carr. You've got Josh Jacobs, which I think from a – Real football perspective, I, again, I'm not usually an establish it type of guy, but they haven't given Jacobs more than 16 carries in a game yet this year. He's been under 10 carries three times, including two times in the last three games. He's had seven and nine carries, and it's not like they've been running the ball great lately. It's like, okay, got got to feed him. But I just think with how that offense has looked, you know, with everything that happened with Ruggs and him not being there, I know Deshaun Jackson filled in a little bit more last week and helped open things up for Waller. But I just think they could really benefit from running Jacobs more. And I kind of have a sneaky feeling that Jacobs could have a nice game um, against the Cowboys. And if you get a nice Jacobs game and a nice Waller game, and you've also got Renfro, you could have just a random Deshaun Jackson bomb if you're like a underdog or, or DraftKings kind of mood on Thanksgiving. I think this has a lot of storylines. I'm at least interested in seeing how they pan out. I think Dallas absolutely shatters the Raiders. And we they, get another... they, they may, they may. And I'm again, I'm not talking real football. I said they could easily win by 14, but there's a lot of, like, I'm interested to see, does Tony Pollard get half the workload? Is Zeke himself, like Johnny said, if, if Lamb does or doesn't play, like what does the workload for Gallup look like? Like what, what does his production look like? Because with Gallup, besides the end of last year and some stretches the year before that, it's been mostly theoretical for him. I want to see him perform. So that's another thing I'm keeping an eye on. And then just like, you know, you're going to get fantasy points, I think, out of the Dallas offense, especially after last week. So at least you should have production one way or another from some players in this game. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in this game because this NFL season has been crazy. Raiders are going to come in and beat the Dallas Cowboys 35-13. <laughs> to 13. Well, they, they, they are 
one and two against the AFC West and probably should not have beaten the Chargers if you think about all the penalties the Chargers had to go against them in that game. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's probably the better of any of the games in fantasy, but I, it'll be better if CD plays. I just really wish we had like a matchup on this slate with some real superstars going on, and we yep. were just missing that. I know it. Uh, the last game of the night, uh, another one that before the season, maybe if you were hopeful for the Saints, you may have felt like was fun, and the Saints could still make it fun from a real football perspective if the defense shows up and plays well, but Bills at Saints to cap it off. From a fantasy perspective, I'm going green bean casserole here because on the surface, like I said, you would think Bills at Saints in the Dome, prime time, like Josh Allen coming off a loss, like that sounds interesting. Green bean casserole on the surface always sounds pretty interesting, like but it really depends on how it's prepped. Like if you do a quick Google of green bean casserole, you can find recipes where you can make it pretty quick. I want it in the oven for like an hour, hour and a half. Like it's got, it's got to be a higher quality recipe. Nice and like, crispy on the yeah, top. Yeah, it, 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 like you can't have the runny mushroom, like cream of mushroom. Like it, it's got to be a good, a good uh, consistency. And for this game, it really depends on what which saints show up. Like do that, do the Saints that beat the Bucks show up in this game? Like, does Kamara play? And if Kamara does play, like, do we get fun games out of Callaway and or Traquan Smith? Like, because I, I think the Bills are probably gonna show up and play pretty well after what happened last week. And it's really all on the Saints for me. So that this one could go very good or very bad, just like Green Bean Casserole. Yeah, this one from a real life football perspective is incredibly interesting because surprisingly the Bills are in kind of a need to win mode with the yep. Patriots in the lead of the division and the Saints winning here puts them in contention for a wild card at 6 and 5. Even they get one more at the Bucks and the Bucks drop two, they're tied with the Bucks. It gives them a lot of options and and for once if Taysom Hill plays, it makes this game a lot more interesting for not only Sean Payton, but the rest of us too. Yeah. Well, this for me is a green bean casserole, but I did put this as a caveat here as well. One, AK plays, it does bump it up a little bit, but two, if we get Taysom Hill at quarterback, I'm moving this to a meet of choice for a fantasy <laughs> because Taysom Hill at quarterback is a fantasy gold mine because he runs the ball so much. Yep. Um, Actually, I would bump this all the way up to a Graves and mashed potatoes if we took Sean Payton's words to heart and Taysom Hill played safety and linebacker in this game. <laughs> then we're really talking about some interesting matchups. But no, I have it at Green Bean. I mean, on the Bills side, you have Stefan Diggs, Sanders, and then you have Josh Allen. Zach Moss and Dawson Knox are in the mix as well. And then on the Saints, I really hope the only player is, you know, Ingram, AK, Tony Jones, if both those players don't play. And then maybe a Trey Quan Smith or a Marquez Callaway if you're in desperation mode and you're just kind of throwing darts to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully, Trey Quan Smith is like a top 20 receiver over the last three weeks, I think. Yeah. And hopefully, like, Simeon's not one of the players you're considering starting this week. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you, you'd have to be in a pretty bad spot or be in a super flex. And even if you're in a super flex, you're probably not in a good spot if, if Simeon's a, a guy that you want to start. Well, did Simeon outscore Russ last week? That's very possible. He did. That's he very did. possible. <laughs> I think uh, Joe Flacco also outscored Dak and Russ combined last week. Well, did you see Joe Flacco was in the millionaire lineup for DraftKings that won it? I, he was their I, quarterback. I did not. I 
you know what? I'm a little more sad to be on this plant now than I was <laughs> just a, just a couple of minutes ago. In the year 2021, Joe Flacco starting for the New York Jets won someone a million dollars. So and now he's on the COVID list. Okay, Johnny, what what are you giving this one on the scale? Uh, same with you guys, just green bean casserole. But I don't brought it up. I am mostly just watching the game just to see where Taysom Hill plays. Like, hey, if he's if he's in a safety, that'd be pretty funny just to <laughs> kind of see, see uh, Eli Berry kind of kind of melt down. That'd be fun to see. But uh, somehow, somehow, I don't think Taysom at safety would go much better than uh, than Daniel Sorensen Sorensen. Try, trying to cover Stefan Diggs on a go route. Just a hunch. I don't know. He's he's a pretty fast guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Sean. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else you want to add, Johnny, or is that that covered for you? All right. So a couple things not on the rundown that I wanted to to hit before we got completely off of this topic. Number one, we've been talking about Thanksgiving food. Let me hold on. Let me for the YouTube people get this tab shared. One second. So here we go. You've got this good looking lineup. Everyone's familiar with how these work. For anyone who's listening on the podcast, if you go watch on YouTube, I shared the actual lineup on the screen. You've got the $5 category, $4, $3, $2, $1, and then you've got some extras actually at the bottom as well. Can you guys see that? Okay. Like read all of that. Okay. We're going to pick our Thanksgiving fantasy lineup here. Basically, what, what the plate is when you go up. I'll, I'll start us off or... Do we want to? Do we want to have someone go all at once? Or do we want to go back and forth with each line, like main dish, potato dish? Well, I can tell you that mine personally, it, I need to build the full picture out for you. Yeah, I, I'd rather have everyone <laughs> go at once. All right, I'll I'll lead us off then. So I'm go, and you have twenty bucks for people not listening. Twenty bucks to build this lineup. There's four rows and then some extras at the bottom. I'm going ham at four dollars. Okay. I'm going mashed potatoes at five dollars. Same. So I'm at I'm at nine. I'm going green bean casserole at three dollars. So How I'm at, that Dallas Cowboys game taste. So I'm at, you know what? It's average. <laughs> I'm I'm at twelve. Then you know what? I like mac and cheese I get, but like I can't do mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. Like I I just I can't do that to myself. I'm going cream corn. Going cheap, one dollar cream corn on this row. Obviously not going cranberries based on our rankings on the other list. Uh, and then dessert, Dalton, I know you agree with me here, Johnny. We didn't hear your take. I'm sure we'll hear it in a minute. Uh, pecan pie and in the $1 category is the best one on this line, in my opinion. It's, so, it's absurd. It's like Travis Kelsey in the third or fourth round. I mean, I don't yep. understand what's going on here. So I, I have $6 left over. I'm at $14. i am going extra gravy, $3. You got to have extra gravy for the ham. And just even more for your potatoes. Uh, give me a two dollar biscuit and a one dollar Hawaiian roll, and I'm out of there. That's not bad. I like that. That's pretty good. Not too much damage. Yeah. Much damage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody else go. All right. So, first off on the on the main course, I'm just getting just the white meat. Just a little two dollars there. Save you some money for later because I'm hitting the mashed potatoes. Got to do them for five dollars. They're just a staple. Now, you could go for the one dollar tofu turkey and really save yourself some money. I have self respect. So, <laughs> uh, so white meat over dark meat, like in a vacuum. Like if they cost the same, would you still go that way, or is this a budget thing? This is a budget thing, and we'll find out why here in a bit. Uh, <laughs> then we're jumping back. We're hitting the beets for a dollar. Beets, 
super underrated food in my opinion when you get them kind of out of the can Wait, where'd you go on the second line you want mashed potatoes mashed for sure okay, okay so so far we're at only seven dollars keeping it super cheap but now we're going back up to the top mac and cheese no you're at eight dollars two eight dollars eight so then we get the mac and cheese so you're going mashed potatoes and mac and cheese I'm telling you, it's a full picture here. And once you get the full picture, you'll understand. But but here's the, like, a meat and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Like, you're not, you're not going up for a second plate. This is your only plate. You're not going <laughs> to have room. Absolutely. Because now we're hitting the pecan pie. Obviously the cheapest one on the menu, but the best. Carrot cake's all right. I don't know what the hell a sweet potato pie is, but I'm keeping that off my plate. <laughs> Apple pie, super overrated. Pumpkin pie, probably the most overrated dish on the planet um so i think carrot cake is the second best thing on the row and then apple pie and pumpkin pie are a toss-up i've never had sweet potato fry uh, me neither i i have had sweet potato fries which i just said so we've spent 14 dollars, and this is where things get important i like (laughs) one plate you're stuffed game over you unbutton your pants football rest of the day we're doing you feel like you feel like like a cornbread guy to me no we're doing four hawaiian rolls And one biscuit. And here's why. We load it up on the mac and cheese. So and you're the having four Hawaiian rolls are not going to. F- and, and one biscuit, right? You said and one biscuit? Yeah. yeah. So you're having, city. you're having five pieces of bread, mashed potatoes, and mac and cheese. Carb city. Have here's fun why. throwing up at 5 p.m. That <laughs> is why. aggressive. Yeah. You, you, then like, you dip you the roll. Be- if you want afternoon beer, you've got no more room. Absolutely Don't. none. Don't need it because this will put me to bed already. Nice and comfy. So then you, you can dip your biscuits and your rolls in the mac and cheese and the mashed potatoes, and it's delicious. And in all honesty, I am not dipping bread in mac and cheese, man. I don't know oh, what you are missing what, out. You ever had what, a mac and cheeseburger? Not mac and cheeseburger, but you're talking just a roll and straight mac and cheese. That's a little delicious. different. Try it this Thanksgiving. Get back to me. You're going to love not. it. I will not. <laughs> So I'm good to go. I'll sleep through, you know, the 12 o'clock game, and then I'll wake up for the next game. All right, Johnny, give me give me your play. I don't. I have some issues with that one. That that's quite quite something to follow up on. I'm gonna do ham as the main course. Four dollars mash, easy nine. This is where it gets hard. Am I able to select two on one row, or does that have to be from each? I think matter? it has to be from each. Okay. Like, yeah, like I, I assume so. All right, let's do beets for the third row. So was that ten dollars? Mm-hmm. Do mac and cheese. And you 15. guys are going double, double carb mac and cheese. Doesn't and matter. It's a carb day. It's no one, no one, like, no one's thinking about that. Everyone, no, but like, no, no, no. I'm not like saying like I'm like if you're just making one plate though. Like I don't think I could. I just think that'd be too much. You don't and get the little bowl you put on the side. You know, you get your one plate and you have a little bowl. I'm not talking about filling up the plate. Oh. <laughs> like, I, I might go, like, if I'm still hungry, like, the mac and cheese might be in the second plate with no potatoes. You know, like that. Like, you just got to have got a little more balance on the plate. That's All right. right. After mac and cheese, I'm going to do a carrot cake. What was that? 17. And then three Hawaiian rolls. So no one's going with the extra gravy. You don't need the extra gravy for your meat. No, no I'm I'm probably not eating the meat if I'm being honest. I just got it because I had to. Why didn't you get the tofu? Yeah, get the, 
You'll get the tofurkey so you can have a one dollar Hawaii another one dollar Hawaiian roll. Because there are a few things you don't do at Thanksgiving. Number one, you don't talk politics. Number two, you don't eat the tofurkey because that's the same thing as telling everybody what your Wait, politics has are. Has anyone ever had it? Have it like served or in like a plate at your Thanksgiving? Like, has anyone ever seen this in person? No, no, we we're okay. born and raised in Kansas. The the, okay, the, the closest I've sure. come is the Everybody Loves Raymond episode where they have the tofu turkey that one time. Okay, like, I saw that on the that. list. I was like, what is that? <laughs> That's the immediate no. Uh, yeah, okay. Hawaiian not, rolls are goaded. Not bad. You know, I, I shouldn't have stopped sharing the screen, but oh well. Has anyone ever had a baked potato at Thanksgiving? Baked potato was on there for $1. And like, I love baked potatoes, but... I'm not. I'm not good. I'm not eating a baked potato on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's either baked potato or mashed potatoes. You, you, you know what you want. No, nah, like, like, like mashed potatoes and scallop potatoes. Scallop potatoes are the second potato that should be at every Thanksgiving meal. The baked potatoes are what your distant uncle who doesn't have a family brings. He has like a cooler full of them, and you're like, "What's he doing a with cool, that cooler full of potatoes?" Full of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's gonna eat them because they're in a cooler. But he he had to bring something, and that was just his. You know, they're all wrapped in tin foil, and then he starts wanting to talk about the election and it getting stolen, and you're like, <laughs> "Okay, okay, that's that's what the baked potatoes are on there for." That seemed oddly specific. We've all, we've all been through it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so Dalton, you mentioned the uh, the lack of a good schedule, and John, I think it was Johnny, you sent the tweet of uh, Golic Jr. roasting the guy who who said that the that NBA Christmas Day is better than the NFL Thanksgiving Day, and I got I got news for him. He's right, and it's not it's not because like it's not it's it shouldn't be like even for someone like me who likes them both like pretty much exactly equal the NFL should be much better because this is what week 11 week tw- week 12 this is week 12 the nba that's like this is like the equivalent of week 3 in the nfl but what the nba does is it actually cares about the fans and cares about putting good games on tv on the court that day so let let me read you the nba christmas day schedule this year We've got, in the morning, Hawks at Knicks. So a rematch of Trey Young at Madison Square Garden. For anyone who watched the playoffs last year, you know that, that that's going to be spicy. Then you've got Celtics and Bucks. Defending champs, best player on the planet against a good Celtics team. You've got Suns and Warriors. You've got Steph, maybe Clay back, probably the two best teams in the West right now, two title contenders. And then you've got the Nets and the Lakers, who were the odds-on title game pick before the season. And then you close it out with Mavs and Jazz. You've got Luka, you've got Donovan Mitchell, you've got two very good Western Conference playoff teams. Compare that to the NFL. You've got the Bills and the Cowboys. Like those are your good team, and those and like those are your good teams playing on Thanksgiving Day. And I I know why they do it. Number one, because we've got to get the Lions on whatever. Number two. They don't care about putting good games on TV on Thanksgiving because people are going to watch anyway. So it doesn't matter. They don't care about the fan. They're just going to put whatever crap games on. and We're suckers and we're going to watch, which is true, unfortunately. But let's pretend like the NFL in some alternate crazy universe actually did care about fans, guys. Let's just pretend. Here's my proposed triple header 
And this is, you'd have to change the whole season schedule to be clear, but these are all teams who played. <laughs> these are all teams who already, who have, who have already played or maybe will play, but I think they've all already played this year. Yep. So I'm kicking the lines out. I don't even know, like, I don't remember what the tradition reason is for having them on Thanksgiving. I, I have not read that story, but I know there's something. But oh, they're there because just like a turkey, they always get stuffed at the goal line. Well, if they, they don't even make it to the goal line very often. So 11 a.m. or noon, whatever, I'm putting Chiefs and Packers to start off the day, right off the bat. You've got Rodgers, who he already had COVID. So you got Rodgers in this game this time. <laughs> and you've got Mahomes, like Packers, Chiefs, that's a layup. Then just like the NBA keeps the Knicks every year, I'll keep the Cowboys. Let's give them the Chargers. Let's give them Herbert versus Dak on Thanksgiving Day in the afternoon time slot. And then the night game, like th- this one's easy. You've got Stafford going to the Rams. You've got Brady and Tampa. Let's let's get Brady, Brady versus Stafford, Rams versus Bucks to close out the night. Like, why can we not do that? Why can't we not have something at least comparable to that? So that's my rant. No, the NFL should not be inferior on Thanksgiving to Christmas Day in the NBA. And if you're a big NFL fan, not a big NBA fan, you obviously don't think so. But yeah. the NBA just puts the good games on, and I really wish the NFL would do it because that sounds like a very fun day to me. Very, very fun. My only change would have been this year we would have done Bucks patriots just for Tom Brady to have his, his revenge game. But, yeah, I mean, those games are just infinitely better than what we have now. In fact... I think you mentioned this, but we have one quarterback playing who is maybe in the MVP race, and then every other quarterback playing in this game is just not yeah. not. You've got you've got Dak, and then like May, like Josh Allen's like the the second tier of MVP race. Dak is like I, I don't even know who's in the lead at this point. I think Dak probably was in the lead before the Chiefs game last week. It's Tom Brady. I saw he was plus three hundred. Jonathan Taylor might sneak his way into into relevancy if he has a if, as far as MVP goes if he has another five touchdown. Yeah, game. I think actually if Derrick Henry was still playing, he might be in relevancy at this point. Don't don't count out Mahomes for that MVP just yet. If, if the Chiefs continue to win, he uh, he He's might plus he was plus eight hundred last I saw. He was probably lower than that. Like I, I bet you people got him like two three weeks ago. I know someone who got the Chiefs like plus twelve hundred uh, for the Super Bowl a week or two Ooh, ago. That's amazing. Yep. So, okay, that, that's my rant on, on the NFL. Please do better NFL. I know you won't, but it'd be very cool if you did someday. All right, let's go start, sit, stream. We haven't done this one for a while. We obviously haven't been doing the, the weekend stuff. So, Dalton, who's your start of the week this week? Corderell Patterson. He is going to be – Cordero. That would be fine, too. Corderell. And he's just – He's going to come off. He was injured. He didn't play much. He didn't play at all uh, last Thursday. He's coming off of about 10, about, what, 20 days of rest in a very, very favorable matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A team has never needed Cordero Patterson back as badly as the Falcons need Cordero Patterson back. Yes. And he just has a knack for scoring touchdowns. And if there is ever a quote-unquote get-right game for any team, unless you're the Bills, it's playing Jacksonville. And the Falcons should dominate this game, and they're going to use their weapons. And I, other than Kyle Pitts, I mean, Patterson is the other weapon. We saw they had to utilize Quadriette Olison to like a, a 
mind-numbing extent in that Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's going to be good. you got to start him. He's been just so efficient all season, and this game is probably going to get volume and efficiency. I was playing against the Patriots defense in another league, and it was the rare over before it even started fancy matchup that was decided by a defense. So that was that was just lovely of Matt Ryan and the Falcons beating me last week. Matt Ryan or Ben Wallisberger, who's more washed? I think it's Matt Ryan. I think <laughs> it might too. be Matt Ryan now. Like, <laughs> like Ben is very washed. They they might both be equally washed, but the thing is. Matt Ryan makes worse decisions than Ben does. Ben doesn't have as many huge killer mistakes as for, Ryan. For and the, he's got more weapons. Let's be clear. That obviously yeah. helps too. Fourth and six, Ben will still check it down to the, to, for a two-yard gain. Fourth and six, Matt Ryan will throw a pick. It's the difference between the two of them. Free Kyle Pitts. I'm tired of Matt Ryan. I don't know what game it was last week, but I was just absolutely disgusted watching this. I was like, why am I, why am I still here? It was and a then three, three interceptions later, I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is normal now. Good to know. This is why I don't watch Falcons game. Speaking of great games to watch, my, my star of the week is in just a, a doozy this week. We're going to the Jets versus Texans. We're going Ty Johnson. No Michael Carter. I think people are going to be looking at Tevin Coleman to kind of be the, the 55 to the 45. And while that may happen, I just have very little interest in actually playing Tevin Coleman. I think Johnson's got a little bit of juice. He should be the pass catcher. And if he performs, he could perform his way into more, more touches than, than Tevin Coleman even too. Texans are 20th against running backs this year. That's according to DraftKings. I was looking at their lineup stuff today. So like, obviously not a bad matchup. Michael Carter has been producing. He's not as good as Michael Carter, but he's had his fair share of moments this year. Like he's been a pretty solid player. And just looking at DraftKings, it's funny now, Adrian Peterson got released a couple hours ago, but at 4,300, he's cheaper than Adrian Peterson was on DraftKings. He's cheaper than Sony Michelle, David Johnson, Trey Sermon. Like, he's a good player in DraftKings. And if you got him on your team, I'm not like, I'm not saying you should start him at all costs, but I think in most situations, he's probably getting started this week. Yeah, if you're the Jets, you're smart. You give all the work to Tevin Coleman so you can lose the game and get the first-round pick <laughs> over the Texans. But, yeah, I agree. Excellent start. I am interested to see what happens to the running backs now that Zach Wilson is back because all of the running backs were performing much better with anybody not named Zach Wilson. Um, and part of that seemed to be he was playing outside of the system a lot and not giving his checkdowns and throwing ill-advised balls downfield. But, again, uh, this is the ultimate smash opportunity because you're playing a team that probably shouldn't be in the NFL. There are probably three of those in the NFL at this point. Named and, the- and, and let's be clear. If he scores 13 points, like that's a huge boost to any lineup, because if you have him on your team, he was your last bench guy, or you just picked him up on waivers, you know, tonight going into tomorrow, if you're listening to the podcast live or, you know, tomorrow, if you're Wednesday, if you're listening to the podcast tomorrow. So he's either a waiver wire guy or your last guy. And that's a huge boost to get in your lineup at this point in the season at running back. And speaking of a guy you should probably be looking to replace with Ty Johnson is my sit of the week, Miles Sanders. <laughs> Look, Jordan Howard's not playing, most likely, and I'm still not confident that Miles Sanders is going to get a workload that's worth it. Uh, he got benched last week until Jordan Howard hurt his knee and was out-targeted by 12-1 to 1, uh, over the last two weeks when it comes to him and Boston Scott. 
Boston Scott has been a more efficient running back in this game since they've gone to a more rush-heavy offense. Miles Sanders also just likes to fumble. Yeah, he fumbled the ball like the the like what was it the five or six yard line for the Eagles mm-hmm. in a game that the Eagles were well ahead. Uh, Miles Sanders was like the clear bad spot in that offense. They were playing incredibly well, and I mean Nick Sirianni had a short leash when he was the offensive coordinator for Indianapolis with players like Jonathan Taylor and Miles Sanders isn't Jonathan Taylor. And no. for that matter, I don't even know if he's Naheem Hines at this point, the way he's been playing. So I'm sitting him at all costs. The Eagles are going to run a lot because it's the, their new offensive identity, yep. but they're playing the giants and they're not going to need it. You know, Miles Sanders out there to do anything that Boston Scott can't do. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 70-30 split. Well, and, game. you know, Kenneth Gamble goes from an active last week to maybe he all of a sudden has like 10 carries in this game. That's kind of how that backfield has gone this year. I'm going with another uh, often maligned guy on this podcast for my say of the week, and that's Miles Gaskin against the Panthers. I know it's really tough to sit him after he just had 26 touches last week. Uh, he converted that. I think it was like 17 points. So, like, fine you would hope he'd have more points with that amount of touches and it was a touchdown that really saved him from a very inefficient you know 11 points on that many touches they bring in duke johnson he's already second string but he only had four touches it's not like they have a great list of guys in that backfield by any means but you're looking at a bad offensive line an offense that just isn't explosive in a tough matchup you know the panthers on on DraftKings are listed as the third toughest running back matchup this year they're a good run defense and just a good defense all the way around so bad offensive line facing a good defense and gaskin he's a fine player but he's not a guy who's gonna like make something out of nothing on on these runs and then you think of the passing game like well he has 41 receptions on the year which is pretty good but in the games that Tua has played He's had 22 receptions in seven games, basically three a game. In the four games without Tua, 19 receptions. So that tells you two things. Number one, his 10-catch game against the Bucks is kind of inflating that stat line a little bit when Tua wasn't playing. And then number two, Tua's a little bit less likely to throw it to, to Gaskin as, as Jacoby Brissett when he was in there. Tua's a little more mobile. He can scramble a little bit more. And he just has an eye for those tight ends and for Jalen Waddle, it seems like, over – over Gaskin so I I just don't think I can do it in a tough matchup this week with Miles Gaskin well I can't disagree with anything you said because I am of the Duke Johnson hype train <laughs> and Duke Johnson soon to be Duke Johnson the leading rusher at the U nobody forget that um it's you, going I, I would but you won't let me it's going to usurp uh my other lovely running back Miles Sanders and become the league winner that you need. So go out there, pick up Duke Johnson. He had four carries for 18 yards last week, which um, he was already like one fifth of the way to Miles Gaskin with one eighth of the work. So, I mean, you can't get much worse than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly jumping aboard the Duke hype train here, but yeah, I'm I'm looking to get away from Gaskin. And, and my stream of the week, I'm going right back to the well of, of Texans versus Jets here. I'm going Tyrod Taylor. And again, not going out of the way to get Taylor in my lineup if I don't have to, but you know, Mahomes on a bye, you probably don't have a second quarterback. If you're in a 12 team league where people have multiple quarterbacks on their roster, there's probably not a ton out there. Tyrod probably is out there. Jets, not, not a bad matchup by any means. 
He definitely has downside. He can throw three picks like he did a couple weeks ago and, and not have very many points. He can also have multiple rushing touchdowns and really make your day like he did the other day in Tennessee. Like Matt Ryan, just looking at DraftKings, Matt Ryan is more expensive than Tyrod Taylor this week. There is no world I'm starting Matt Ryan over Tyrod Taylor just because even if even if Tyrod has a, a disaster like he did a couple weeks ago, he'll still at least get you something by running the ball a little bit. Like Matt Ryan looks like he needs to be planning his, his post football life already. Like Tyrod, at least I feel comfortable that he should get you something like 14 to 16 points. And if you're lucky, you could get like a 22, 25 point game out of him if he has a big rushing day. Yeah. And I mean, against the Jets, that should be a game that Tyrod hopefully dominates because the Jets defensively haven't been much better than they've been offensively. Uh, my stream of the week, going back to a guy we had who's that Pokemon a couple weeks ago, uh, been sneakily efficient. He's the QB 12 on the season. It's Carson Wentz for the Colts. Uh, the Bucks are a pass funnel. Now, it's very hard for you to argue anybody's at anything funnel but a run funnel when Jonathan Taylor did what he did last week. But in games this season, Carson Wentz has had over 15 points in all but three. One of them was last week when Jonathan Taylor did everything for him. And then he also whiffed against Tennessee way back in the start of the season. And then he whiffed against Jacksonville. This is a game where they're probably going to fall behind enough that Jonathan Taylor can't carry them to it. Um, I'm going to knock on wood on that because maybe this is the game that that defense just can't contain the run. We'll see. But- we'll see if Vita Vea plays this week. He didn't play last week. I think he, whether he plays or not is actually pretty important in how they do against Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And uh, obviously Vita Vea is a wrecker. He, he commands double coverage from that offensive line. Um, but it's a pass funnel. He should get a lot of opportunity to score points here. And he's been relatively efficient of not throwing picks. So you should get a pretty safe floor. I say that uh, knowing now that it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about wins. My my worries are obviously the Bucks haven't been like a great defense by any means this year. They've been fine, but they haven't been what we probably would have thought this season, especially against the pass. But this just feels like a spot that Wentz could just completely screw you and have like three turnovers and, and they just get destroyed by the Bucks. Like that's in the realm of possibility. I, I felt Taylor was just a little bit safer, but I see the upside with, with Wentz for sure because they've been playing very, very well. I mean, they just destroyed the Bills. And again, Taylor had five touchdowns, four on the ground. Like he could have easily had a nice 16, 18 point day if that doesn't happen on the road at Buffalo and, and equally tough, if not tougher matchup. So I, I get the appeal. Yeah. And I mean, at the end, there's just enough weapons there that I hope they constitute him being able to do something. I agree. I'm, I'm hoping for a, for a nice Michael Pittman day. Let's move on. Dalton. We'll do one more thing in the Thanksgiving spirit. Johnny, I'll let you start. You said you had a player that you're thankful for. We've each got one player that we are thankful for this season. I tried to stay away from like the obvious top guys because, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for Cooper Cup. Like, very, very thankful. But I wanted to give a little love to that next are two you? guys. I, I am very thankful. Johnny, who who are you thankful for this year? Well, I was thankful for this one guy, but I guess it's kind of a given, so I'm not going to go that route. <laughs> but uh, shouts to Nick Chubb. Uh, yep. The player I am thankful for is Jalen Waddle. I really? love the guy. I feel like he is 
doing. I, I feel like he is starting to produce more. And even though the Dolphins' offense is a dumpster fire, he's still getting the targets and somehow found the end zone last week. So that that, that was pretty great to see. And it, it's always nice knowing that he's going to get at least like eight, ten targets a game. So that's mm-hmm. who I'm thankful for. Besides Nick Chubb, we're we're talking about the underneath stuff with. Uh with Waddle, I think, last week. And I actually just read, I think, on the footballers uh, today that he's averaging at something like 6.8 yards per target, something like that, which in college, to be clear, no one expected his college uh, yards per target to carry over. But in college, he was at 17 yards per target. So it's a, it's been a little bit of a different role than we thought for Waddle this year. But he's he's still been at least a nice floor play most every week. And we're just waiting for that ceiling, but in the up and down world of fancy football, it's nice to have that floor. Thank you. <laughs> I'm obviously thankful for Austin Eckler. He was my guy. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the obvious choice. My non-obvious choice is I am thankful for Jalen hurts who yeah. for those who are unaware has been on my bench the entire fantasy week season. <laughs> Except twice when Josh Allen was on by and when Josh Allen scored 37 points against the Washington football team. Um, but I'm thankful for him because he's the overall QB one. And now that we're getting closer to mock draft season and the Eagles are kind of picking up a little bit of steam, uh, a lot of mock drafts don't have him staying I saw, with the Eagles. I, I saw on Twitter that he's the QB one going forward. I saw someone on ESPN said that today. Yeah, that's incredibly not something I, I want to be true. Um, but he was a guy I was iffy about going into the season. Not no, not not the fantasy QB one, the Eagles QB. Oh, oh I was like, they're guys I still put over him. But um <laughs> no, well that that's very possible. Um that would be very good. Uh he still can't pass worth a damn, but maybe that's something he figures out. Technically, this is like his rookie season, if you really think about it. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't play, play much last year. Um, but I'm thankful for him because he just proved to me that I should just always believe in dual threat quarterbacks because they just produced three touchdowns last week and 30 total fantasy points on my bench. And what a one be my matchup. <laughs> so I called this my Jonathan Taylor Memorial uh, list because I'm Jonathan Taylor is obviously the number one guy that everyone's thankful for right now. Like Debo Cooper cup, like Justin Jefferson, all, all guys that we're all very thankful for. I'm going Deontay Johnson. A little under the radar, nice season for Deontay this year. So Fantasy Pros does a, a consistency ranking. They do it in standard scoring. So this is a format that like even is not Johnson's prefer, probably preferred format scoring-wise, thanks to his quarterback throwing him five-yard passes all day. Um, so they divide, yes, they, they divide games into poor quality and great and poor is eight points or less standard scoring quality is eight to 13.7 and great is anything above that so if you take his quality plus his great games that's the games where he was actually like helpful to his fantasy managers that week seven of his nine games he's been he's been either quality or great this year he's just been consistent and he really he's only missed two games, which like that, that still is a bummer. But like with Deontay Johnson last year, it felt like every other game he was grabbing and grabbing something. He was hurt somehow. So like you think about seven out of nine, even though he's only played nine games, the only guys with more than seven in that chart of of helpful games were Cup, Debo, and Jamar Chase. No other receiver had more than seven. There were plenty of other guys with seven, but nobody else had more. He has at least five receptions in every game but one. 
And then the one game he didn't, he still had 70 yards. So he actually broke off a couple big ones. He doesn't have a single drop this year. Also kind of going under the radar. They did like the whole uh, little, little feature on Sunday, on Sunday night football of him catching tennis balls pregame. If anybody caught that, but no drops this year after 13 last year, he's a double digit target guy. Almost every time he goes out there, seven out of nine games, he is the wide receiver 19 on the season, 12 in points per game. Just there's not a lot of rock solid wide receiver twos or, or high end twos, low end ones. And, and he's just been one of them this year. It's almost like drops don't correlate year to year. <laughs> it's really weird. I feel like someone was saying that. I hope so. Season. I would like Travis Kelsey to drop it less next year. I, I too would like him to drop it less. <laughs> um, I would also like AJ Brown to catch more of his targets. Yes. Uh, but there, this isn't Christmas. Our wishes don't come true. It's Thanksgiving, and we're thankful for certain players. Yes, yes. And Deontay Johnson, for me, it's just like he's not the cream of the crop, but it's nice to have him locked in as your wide receiver, too. You just feel like you're getting 12 to 14 half-point half, um, half point PPR points every week when, when you do that, at least. You could have drafted him, or you could have drafted Miles Gaskin. The choice was yours. <laughs> and you chose poorly if you drafted Gaskin, even though he is like the running back 19. It has not been a smooth ride to get there. He was RB2 one week, if you didn't know that. It was probably his 10-catch game against the Bucks. That That'd be my guess. I think it was. <laughs> All right. We've got a little time here. We're at 49 minutes. We'll try and keep this uh, not too much longer. We've got some dynasty talk. We don't talk dynasty too much, but I thought it'd be fun and not, nothing too in-depth here by any means. We're not talking about the guys in your bench. We're talking about mainly the guys that are either in your lineups or very much in your future plans. We're just doing a name game. We've done name games before on the show where it's two guys and, and we pick a guy. This time it's three. And Dalton, we'll start with some of the top receivers so these are the top three receivers if you look at fantasy pros dynasty rankings right now i think even in this order too i don't remember i know justin jefferson was one so justin jefferson tyree kill or jamar chase pick one of those guys going forward in dynasty who are you taking i love kansas city uh, but i'm taking justin jefferson because he is me too pretty much the same weekly upside as tyree kill and we're already seeing it with Jamar Chase. He's starting to get a little – he was the best player against single coverage first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Last couple of games, he's been a little off. In part, that's because that entire offense has kind of taken a little bit of a shift in its massive scoring outputs. But also, I think – And also, Mixon had 30 carries last week, yeah. which doesn't help the passing game when that happens as well. Yeah. I think Jamar is going to be obviously a great player, but he's mm-hmm. still acclimating to some of the work. And Justin Jefferson is just, I mean, he's just otherworldly right now. Jefferson's only one year older. So, I mean, it's not like Jefferson's 24 and Chase is 21. Jefferson's 22 and Chase is 21. Yeah. And I ranked this Jefferson Hill Chase, exactly how the rankings go. Uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill still has like that 50 point game output possibility mm-hmm. with Mahomes and just well, they've, 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 they've taken away the deep ball with, with Tyree Kill, and he's turned into Michael Thomas. He has 84 catches on the year. He's on pace for like 130, which is around what Michael Thomas would have in his non-record-breaking um, reception seasons. Like 125, 130 is is around his normal output. Yeah, and every time he touches the ball, there's a hope he can break it because you mm-hmm. know he has that in his range of outcomes. But yeah, anyway, Jefferson. Jefferson's the guy. I agree. He's my guy as well. So. I know I I know I literally just wrote Chase as the dynasty number one maybe a month ago, but Jefferson's just been so good. It it's it's really hard not to 
overreact again the other way, and we'll see if it it could very well flip flop. Like Shays could start the year or finish this year or start the year next year great again. And it's like okay, we just can't deny this guy at the top. Now he's got to be number one. But I think for now it's Jefferson. His only bad game he's had this year was against the Cowboys when that was Kirk Cousins. That was not that was not Jefferson's fault. That was the Kirk Cousins loss to the backup quarterback game in Minnesota on Halloween, if people remember that game. He's just an elite route runner, so explosive in and out of his cuts on, on routes. He's over six feet tall, over 200 pounds, so he's got that plus pretty good size. Not great size, but pretty good size at receiver. He's gone over 60 yards in every game besides that Cowboys game this year. He's gone over 140 yards in the last two games, over 100 yards four times, and he's doing this with a quarterback that does not take deep shots like Burrow does. Like, and this is not a knock on Chase that he's, you know, he's doing it with the deep stuff. So it's not like his good. That's not what I'm saying, but it's just Jefferson has had to work and grind a lot more for his production because his quarterback is not as willing to take those shots and to hit those monster plays. But situation is not forever. Jefferson is not going to be saddled with Kirk Cousins forever. I have hope that someday he ends up with a quarterback who can who can connect with him more often. Like it happens sometimes, but more often down the field. So that's also part of the reason why I'm I'm taking Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, I just I can't believe how open Jefferson was last week against Green Bay, which has been a really good defense up until last week. Um the one of the touchdown catches where he caught the ball and he just span around the DB and and I played against him last week for those interested. Um, so I was really interested in what he was doing on the field. Um, and he, I mean, he just completely, he tore up that Packers secondary. And these two played together. And I think Jamar Chase is at least close to being on pace to breaking that 1400. I said he might mm-hmm. for Justin Jefferson. But man, Justin Jefferson's improving upon that rookie campaign already. It's it's incredible. Yeah, he's He's just awesome. And the crazy thing is, is like if Tyreek Hill were two years younger, he'd probably be number one. I think age is the only thing, not the only thing, but as one of the main factors in Hill not being above Jefferson, you know, Jefferson's 22, Hill's 27. So you just got, you got a lot of years that Jefferson should be awesome. Obviously Hill has the situation advantage over both of those guys on top of, I still think Hill is, I think he's better than Chase for sure right now. I still think he's probably better than Jefferson, but they're such different players. It's hard. It's hard to compare them, but I, I still think I would, I would rather have Hill on my team in real life, but just Jefferson's so much younger. I think I have to take him here. Yeah. It comes, I, you probably get close to nine years of Justin Jefferson being easily startable. And, you know, six of those of him being a top, top eight probably wide receiver every year yeah i mean think about you know stefan diggs the guy he was traded for is what 29 right now mm-hmm. and is still he's not as great of a year this year but it's 28 last year and was like a top three receiver so like in six years he could still be a top three receiver absolutely okay next one this one's a little more complicated because i went a little cross position here uh debo samuel terry mclaurin and alvin Kamara. I thought about getting in a whole, like, how do you value running back in Dynasty talk? But I hit a little too close to home because I meant we're all in the Dynasty League. I'm like, I don't know if I want to give away all of those secrets and and when I want to trade my running backs and when I don't. So I'm going to hold that one tight to the vest. But among those three, Dalton, pick pick one. 
Uh, still going Alvin Kamara here next year. He'll be a top five running back the year after he'll probably still be a top five running back. Uh, and it's for that really to win a championship or to be like really competitive all season long. You just need this dog. Who's going to get you the points you need. And that's what he does. Um, he's, I think he's eighth right now and he's missed two games. He's a touchdown freak. I expect the saints team to get better next year, uh, add some weapons, hopefully spread it out. Taysom Hill. He's, he's all the weapon they need. Yeah. And not to jump too deep into it, but when I, when it comes to a fantasy draft, if you don't have like the first three or four picks, you're probably not getting lucky with an elite running back. And you're going to have to kind of strike gold later, like an Elijah Mitchell this year. It's a lot easier to spot some of those wide receivers who are going to blossom into better players like Deami Brown is a guy we were big on in the preseason. I'm still big on him now. He's probably going to be a good receiver that you can start in the next year or two. Uh, so it's just, it comes down to positional advantage. And Alvin Kamara has it after that it's Terry. And then Debo for me is a distant third. No, no offense to him. He's having a crazy season. I just don't buy it as much. And Terry is somebody who is just a phenomenal athlete with a horrible quarterback. Yeah. I, I agree that I, I wouldn't say Debo is a distant third, but he is third. For me, I, I'm not sure I buy this is like just what he is going forward because this is just so much better than he was each of the last couple of years. Terry, I made the comment last week on the one touchdown catch he made. Uh, Heineke threw him into coverage, not out of coverage, threw him into coverage and he had to go make that play. Again, situations are not forever. Uh, I know a quarterback in Seattle that might might not mind a change of scenery after the season. Maybe we get a Russell Wilson, Terry McLaurin pair up after after this season. Not not like not like saying that it could happen, but like you just never know. So don't want to value too much on who the guy's quarterback is in, in Dynasty. But I'm with you. I'm still going Kamara. It's just such a bigger advantage to have a top twelve running back, even though his shelf life is probably shorter than these guys as like a top 20 player at his position. He's probably got, he's 26 right now. He maybe has two more years after this where he's like a really high-end starter, probably top five at least another year, maybe top five, maybe more like top 10 to 12 after that. And then it's hard to say. But one thing we know for sure is that these guys don't usually make it past their second contract and still be like that top top 20 type of guy. But a lot of times when teams win leagues, you can look at the running back and see the running back that blew up as the reason why. A lot of times it's the stud. Sometimes it's the waiver wire guy, but that's just not a sustainable thing to pin your hopes on year in, year out. Yeah. And the other thing with AK is uh, you can hope he turns into like a, still a good scat back in his later years. Like Darren Sproles was in his later half where he was still startable a lot of fantasy weeks. Yeah, and, and Kamara is better than Sproles ever was. So if you yeah. could be even a souped-up Darren Sproles for, for three, four, or five years after he's not like a top 12 running back anymore, then he he's still definitely viable, I think. Ho hopefully, like, guys like him and McCaffrey are the two that you think of as, like, maybe they could have a long – if they can stay healthy, maybe they'll have a longer shelf life just as, as like, keeping their explosion and keeping the relevancy because they're such gifted receivers. Yeah, and that's really where you're you're hanging your hat on because I'm like a, a Henry or a Cook, uh, even a Taylor. I mean, Taylor's had some good games, but these guys, uh, they can catch the ball really effectively and get into space a lot better than a lot of running backs. So the next one, Dalton decided to put all of the, the misfit uh, broken running backs uh, together. Travis Etienne, 
Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. I think you know where I'm going with this, Dalton. I'm going J.K. Dobbins, not to get like too deep into the weeds of our disagreement before the season, before anybody got hurt. I would have taken Dobbins over Akers before this season. I know you wouldn't have, but just for me personally, I would have. Etienne, he's a pretty distant, well, maybe not distant because of Akers' Achilles, but he's third for me just because we, we've never seen him do it in the NFL. So even with Akers coming off that Achilles, he, he's behind Akers. And you've got to go Dobbins over Akers, if nothing else, I think, because we just have a better track record of ACL recoveries than Achilles. Now, Akers could come back and be awesome, but I kind of have to see it to believe it that he can be like a top 15 running back next year. I think Dobbins will be a top 15 running back when he comes back next year. And then you just look at situation like I think there's less competition for Dobbins. Like I, I think Daryl Henderson is better than Gus Edwards. You're telling me Devonta Freeman's not going to compete for that <laughs> job next year. I think Henderson is better than, than Gus Edwards. And I think with the Achilles acres could be eased back into it a little bit more given situation and just, they can throw the ball a lot too. So just, if you're looking at early next year, I just think he'll be eased into it maybe a little bit more than Dobbins will, but we'll see. I Again, I just think Dobbins is an awesome player and hopefully he still has that wiggle and that cutting when he comes back because he, I, I think is one, one of my favorite young running backs in the NFL. Yeah. I, I went the same here with JK Dobbins. I actually flip-flopped ETN and acres. I might be overweighting that Achilles injury. Um, but that list of running backs to come back from Achilles injury, the biggest mm-hmm. success story in the NFL is Marlon Mack and Deontay Foreman of a running back to successfully have Achilles surgery and then still play in the NFL even. Yeah, but the the other, like, I definitely agree with that for sure, 100%. But the other qualifier we should probably, like, throw on that is not that many guys that good, that young, tear their Achilles. So Akers could be a little bit of an outlier just because, like, you know, maybe if Le'Veon Bell t- tears his Achilles when he's 23, like, he maybe he's still pretty good when he's 25, you know? Absolutely. And there's talk that Akers was saying he might be able to play in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I saw that. I'll believe that when I see yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Uh, the, the only reason, because we haven't seen ETN, the only reason I have him too here is just my worry of the Achilles injury. I'm, the, I think the tiebreaker running back in Jacksonville. I, think, I was going to say, I think tiebreaker for me is uh, you look at the Jags and look at the Rams. I think even with the Achilles, I'm going to lean Rams, uh, the Rams guy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just the first round pedigree is that I, I, the hope would be that when ETN comes back, he gets a pseudo Najee Harris treatment, probably not the same workload, but he gets a lot of that touches. And James Robinson's been like less than inspiring this year. Last week, I think he had 14 touches for 29 yards. So yeah, he's he, definitely, he saved his day with a touchdown very late in the game. Yeah. He's definitely not impressing that coaching staff, whether or not that's the coaching staff next year <laughs> right. is a whole new question. <laughs> Right. And if it is, uh, I'll take McVeigh's guy over Irving Meyer's guy. Uh, another another young guy talk or conversation here. This one can be brief. Don't really I, I, there's not a lot to talk about with some of these guys. You've got all the rookie quarterbacks outside of Zach Wilson, basically, right here. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones. Pick one of these four going forward. I'll start us off. I'm saying Trevor Lawrence. I know Mac has been awesome. But I'm just still going to stick with the guy that had the pedigree that Lawrence had. I know it's been a struggle. 
and we sometimes for I think we forget a little bit because we've had some rookie quarterbacks come in and play well. It oftentimes is a major struggle for those young guys. And we just mentioned the Jags. He has not been in an easy spot this year. Whereas like Mac Jones is in a not a great situation from like a weapon standpoint, but they just know how the game works in New England, and that's helping him a lot. And then like Lance and Fields are still just such unknowns to me. What what do you think? So I went Fields here is my number one. I he he's shown the ability to use his feet, which we were hoping he would do. His offense has not drawn up for him to do that. He has also played behind probably the worst offensive line of anybody here. Um, Tevin Jenkins, the left tackle they took, hasn't played most of the season. Their left guard's also been out. And this is really also... And their line was just not good to begin with. Yeah. And this is also hoping that Nagy gets fired and a good offensive coach comes in there. Um, I really, just out of spite, wanted to put Trey Lance at four here because of Kyle Shanahan, (laughs) if we're being honest. Because in my mind, there's a world where we don't see Trey Lance for three years because Kyle Shanahan's still in San Francisco and somehow thinks that he is like... Debo Samuel 2.0, like he brings him into these weird situations and that's it. How um, many how many years does Jimmy have left on that contract? You keep talking, I'm gonna find that out. But I'm with you. I had Lawrence at two. I it's weird because it's been a pretty bad season for Trevor Lawrence, but out of every quarterback, I'm the least concerned about him. Uh I had Mac Jones a pretty distant four here, and that's because he's just he's really just been what we expected. He was the most pro ready. He's probably going to be a good pocket passer his entire career, but he's never going to put up those like 25, 30 point games you you want from your quarterback. And that's really where like I drew the line. I put Trey Lance at three, but I'm way more down on him. And then if we lose Kyle Shanahan as a coach, I hate him. But at the same time, that was a big plus for everybody who wanted Trey Lance, thinking that he would be yeah. this rush, rushing quarterback in that zone scheme. So the thing I'll say about Garoppolo is he – is only under contract for one more year. 2022 is his last year. And if they would have cut him, which, you know, there was talk, you know, maybe they should trade him. No idea what the market was. Never even heard any rumblings they were going to trade him. So don't know how that could have gone. But cutting him was just not going to happen before this season. And they would have basically eaten $27 million in dead cap. This time, this time around, if they cut him before this next season, that number is about $1.4 million in dead cap. So this is when they can cut Jimmy G and hopefully we get Trey Lance as the guy coming into the next year. So that at least gives me some hope in that, in that regard. That would be the hope. And then it's whether or not he's a passer and how good he is as a passer and whether or not he has a coach who will play his weapons correctly. <clears throat> Kyle Shanahan, Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> All right. So some tight ends here to close us out. Had to, had to at least sneak in a little, a little TE talk to, to end this Thanksgiving pod. The Muth. Pat Fryermuth, Noah Fant, and Dallas Goddard. Dalton, pick one out of these three guys. So, just full disclosure, Noah Fant was like a far distant third for me because of really? all the, the re-signings in Denver. And they, they did bring in all those receivers, and it's kind of like, hmm, well, Noah Fant still needs paid, right? I'll go look at his contract in a second. Yeah, well, and KJ Hamler's back next season. and Dallas, Albert, God, oh, Dallas Goddard is 26, so he is significantly older than both of these guys. But I did go with Dallas Goddard just for full disclosure. Really? Yeah, Even I though did. he's 26, he's yes. only probably got like three years of like top 12 type of tight uh, end. I don't left. know. Jared Cook's top 12, and he's like 38 this year. 
Like, okay, uh, yeah, one guy. It's not that's not usually how it goes. Jason Witten was top twelve up into his thirties. Okay, I mean, again, you're not that's all that's a Hall of Famer. Tony Gonzalez was up there. Okay. <laughs> how old's Travis Kelsey? I mean No, <laughs> yes, you're making your point very well here. I mean, but I do think you can play tight end well well into age. It, it's a little different in what it demands. No um, offense, under, only under contract for one more year, by the way. Maybe they let him walk. And if they do, maybe he's more interesting. He is actually, he is more interesting outside of Denver. It, it, he is clearly or solely situational for me. I pick Goddard because I'm hoping the Eagles figure things out and are a better team next year. They have three picks in the top 15. So I expect them to be a better team that can move the ball more. Uh, and the only reason Muth is my number two is Juju. If he's back next year, that hurts Muth. I just don't think he's going to be. I, I know really we didn't think that. Last, I know we didn't think that coming into this year either. But I really don't think that coming into next year. And then I just need to know what's quarterbacking them in Pittsburgh because the preseason talk was Dwayne Haskins. He didn't even start. Mason Rudolph is the guy at second line still. Don't like that. Don't like Big Ben staying. If Big Ben is convinced to stay another year, I mean, that's probably the best for Muth unless they get a quarterback later on in the draft. But even then. I mean, even if they don't, he – it's not like he's going to be like a top five tight end, I don't think, any time – like in the next year or two, regardless. Of, like even if even if they had like – I don't know. I don't want to say like one of the best quarterbacks. But even if they had like Matthew Stafford, I don't think he's a top five, top five tight end because you've got those two receivers who should be – the, the one and two and then you've got Najee but he's such a good red zone guy and you know what tight ends can be a bad quarterback security blanket sometimes and so that that can kind of be where he can thrive no matter the situation too but I get it yeah well that and I still I still deep down believe Goddard has a top five potential that we thought he had two years ago and now that that's Earth funny because I think I said that gone. before the season and you and I disagree this I did but I've seen some flashes I've watched a lot more Eagles than I want to because of <laughs> my thankful Jalen Hurts. Um, and really, I he's he's a target hog. I mean, between him and Smith, that's really a funnel offense right now. All right, I'll make this quick and we can get out of here at about an hour 10. I'm going with the Muth. You look at him from week six on, which is basically when he actually got like a full-time receiving role. He was kind of like a token one or two target a game type of guy there for a while on the field as a run blocker a lot. Ebron was the the tight end splitting time with him week six on. So that's five games. He is the tight end five in that stretch, 10.6 points per game. That's ahead of both those other guys right now. And he's younger. I don't know about Noah Fant. Noah Fant's pretty young. Oh, he's 24. So he's still two years younger than Fant, four years younger than Goddard. And he's already pretty good. He's still got Claypool and Deontay Johnson there this whole time too. He's just a he's a very good red zone guy. And I just I think he's a good I think he's a pretty good player. He's got a little more juice than just like big white blocking tight end than I kind of thought he was when he was coming out of Penn State. Cause that's just I don't know, that's just like what you would think of a Penn State tight end, but he's not that. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm betting more on Goddard just because it's a small sample size with Muth. I mean a year and a half ago, we were all ready. To, a lot of people were ready to crown TJ Hawkinson as like the next Kelsey, and he's had three straight zero point games. So there's always concern. Well, he actually he had a decent game last week, but the I mean, I Hawkinson would still be taken over all three of these guys. I think if you're talking dynasty, yeah, he would unfortunately. But again, also it is tight end, which is an absolute just. 
Firefest 2.0 when it comes to trying to figure out who's going to be valuable outside of it. It is. So so why would you not go with Fire Muth and you can just lock in like nine points a game for the next like five or six years? He's only 22 years old. I'm going with dirt. <laughs> going with dirt. Going to Thanksgiving. That's going to do it for us on Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point Per Pod. That stuff's all linked in the show notes. Uh, I'll have Johnny put the Thanksgiving food scale in there as well. So you don't have to try to remember that if you're listening, you can look in the show notes as you're listening to our food scales. We will be back. Obviously not this weekend. We'll be back next week. Recap all of the exciting Thanksgiving games and the week that was and talk about we're getting close to the fantasy playoffs. So a lot of good stuff still to come. We'll talk to you guys next week.